Welcome to the Solo BG Podcast. In this podcast, we talk about solo and cooperative games. We also bring you news, audio unboxings, Kickstarter updates, and interviews with amazing personalities around the industry. We hope you enjoy this episode. And now, here's your host, Derek Rodriguez. Welcome to another episode of Solo BG Podcast, of course. Welcome. And this is episode 108. We already keep going in this 2022. Eight episodes after the 100. It's awesome. And like always, we're going to go back in time and talk about, you know, what we talk or which game we we overview on episode number eight. But before we keep going, if this is your first time in the show, well, my name is Derek, and in this podcast, we talk about board games. We usually focus in games that uh, you can play solo or you can play cooperative. That means with your friends. But sometimes we have those weird situations where we just play a lot of, um, you know, non-solo games, modern board games. So if this is your first time, I just wanted to let you know that, and I invite you to Stay with us and, uh, you know, give it a try and listen to the previous episodes. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have uh, with this one, 108, 108 episodes. Uh, and it's interesting because when we look back to episode number eight, um, that was in October 24, uh, 2018. Uh, and without further ado, let's just jump into the into the podcast, right, in this episode. Back then... Uh, it was um, an episode that I recorded with my good friends, Jonathan, and we talk about a game that is called Lucidity. Lucidity, the six-sided nightmares by Shannon Kelly and published by Renegade Games. Uh, I remember had very special memories with this game because uh, it was uh, one of our first um, conventions uh, together, basically, Jonathan and I hanging out over there, you know, doing some demos uh, before, uh, you know, he got married and all this stuff. So um, we're just having fun, you know, just two guys over there. And uh, this was one of the demo, actually, that we did uh, together. Uh, and we we liked it back then. I remember demo it. And, you know, I remember liking the theme, you know, about nightmares and all this stuff. Then he was the one that ended up with a copy. I didn't buy a copy for myself. Um, and, and we played his copy a few times. Uh, then time went by. He sold his copy. Uh, and recently, uh, through the Facebook market uh, here in Indianapolis, uh, I was able to get a game, uh, you know, from secondhand, actually, from one of my good friends, Kevin, uh, which if he's listening by any chance, I say, hi, Kevin. Uh, but anyway, he, he was getting rid of a, one of the copy of Lucidity. And because I had a, such a good memories, you know, with what I told you about, well, I decided to, you know, get a copy for myself. Um, going back, uh, is this a game that I'm going to play a lot? Well, I don't think so, just because it's a very simple way. I mean, I'm sorry, a very simple game. Uh, the theme is there, and it's a cool theme. Uh, you know, it's a push, basically a push-your-log game where, you know, you're rolling die constantly, um, sort of like in a Jatsy mechanic, and you're placing your nightmares and trying to do uh, different combos. Now, the, the the production of this game is something that I really like, you know, because the components are cool. The art on the cards is very cool, very thematic. Uh, the dice are very good quality, very small dice, but very good quality. Uh, and they're easy to roll. Uh, you know, the symbology is pretty easy. Everything is very well written on the cards. Um, you know, the rule book is straightforward. It's nice. It's a nice game. And, and you know, if you have any recommendations, you know, for a similar game like this, please let me know because 
this is something that I really like. Um, so you can do it through Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter uh, on Solo BG Podcast. Now, this game, like I said, is very simple. You know, we're just basically trying to escape from the creatures of the dream realm by claiming their power for for ourselves, or uh, become a nightmare and hunt down any who dare to stand in, in our way. Um, you know, this is a one to uh, four players game. Usually, an average playtime will be somewhere between 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, like I said, this is one of those weird situations that I never owned the game. I just played with a friend's copy. Uh, and this is where I will tell you, like, you know, when we look back, 100 episodes, I usually tell you, well, this game still is in my collection. This game is not in my collection anymore. My thoughts have changed in the game. Things like that. Um, this one in particular, uh, well, <laughs> obviously, I'm keeping it in my collection. I got a copy for myself. I really want to give it a try again. You know, a few times. Give it a try. Um, you know, very simple game. Uh, play it. And, and and probably by next by the next episode, I can tell you, you know, if I'm going to keep it just for the sentimental value of it or if I'm going to keep it because, you know, it holds up and it's fun. Now, I know there's a there's a bunch of you amazing friends that are fans of this game. And it, it's surprising to me how how I still see it around, you know, in, in the different Facebook groups, especially on the solo board gaming group. Um, on Facebook, on the board game groups, on the Dice Tower groups, I still see like people posting about about this uh, game. So, anyway, there is Lucidity, Six Sided Nightmares. If you want to check that episode out, once again, it was episode number eight, uh, and um, you know it was recorded on October twenty four, or it was published, better said, October twenty four, uh, twenty eighteen. Uh, and back then, we give you the answer if we decided that it plays better as a solo. Or, or competitive, uh, that was Lucidity. Now, we have a few games that we're going to talk about tonight, this morning, this evening, depending on the time that you are listening. Uh, I have to say that right now on my gaming table, and I'm literally standing on my game room, you know, walking around the shelves. When I when I record these episodes, I want to give you that. Hopefully, I can, you know, uh, transfer that feeling of me being being with you, playing some games, or on your game room, on your gaming table, or you're more than welcome to be in Solo Veggie Podcast game room, gaming table as well. And I'm just, you know, walking through my shelves. Uh, hopefully, you don't you don't hear the noise in the background, but you will hear how I'm opening boxes because uh, I have a few games that I want to talk about. And once again, like I mentioned it before, uh, this is one of those weird episodes where I'm gonna be talking about a few games that they don't have solo modes. Um, and a Kickstarter preview as well that it was a big surprise and I don't have any bias because, you know, uh, even if I had a review copy of the game that I'm going to tell you in a little bit, I mean, I didn't get any, you know, sort of profit from it. So I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, and then I'm going to tell you about a game that I believe I already talked in the Spanish podcast on Solo BG podcast in Espanol. Um, I, don't, I think I named this episode back then when I did my honorable mentions of 2021. But I'm going to go a little bit more in an overview of the game. I don't know if in depth because it's it's uh, uh, kind of like a, not a complex game, but it has, you know, it has his gimmick. Uh, but um, I'm going to tell you more about it. Anyway, we're going to talk about one, two, three, four games tonight. Uh, and what I have on my table right now, besides Lucidity that I was talking to you about, the box, I have the Night Cage, which I talked about two or three episodes ago. No, probably four episodes ago. And uh, that was the one that I talked also about Here is Negan and I think Cartographers. Uh, and I just played it a little bit ago before starting, you know, this recording. 
And it's, it's a very fun game. You know, I still recommend it a lot, the Night Cage. Solo mode works very well. Uh, you know, it's very fast, very smooth. Um, you know, com- uh, cooperative is also great. Definitely, uh, you know, if you are like me, that you like neoprene mats and premium components, this is a game that is worth it. You know, the neoprene mat is pretty cool. Uh, nice stitches on the borders like we all like. Um, the keys from the games are metallic, so that's cool. But, you know, I really want to get those. Uh, they have like a little, you know, skeletons, I guess, in a way, like night crawlers, if you want to call them, um, from um, made by metal. So I really want to want to get those too. Hopefully on this upcoming Gen Con, they will have it. Our friends, uh, you know, from um, uh, the and Labs, which, which are the, the publishers of the Night Cage. Anyway, without... Uh, well, any further ado, let's keep going with the episode. Like I said, we have four games that we're going to review. And, you know, let's start. Not, by the way, before we jump in into our first section and probably the main section of the show, uh, I want to remind you that Solo BG Podcast, probably as you hear in the intro by Eric Summer, it's a part of the Dice Tower Network. So um, check, uh, you know, the Dice Tower Network podcast over there. Go to their website. There's a bunch of good podcasts created by fantastic people, uh, fantastic content creators. So check them out. You know, a big shout out for all of them. And, and, and yeah, we belong to the Dice Tower Network, so that's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, without further ado, let's start with our first section. We're going to talk about games. We're going to have fun. Uh, hopefully, you will like this episode. And then, you know, let's do it. Let's jump there. Well, now we are here. By the way, the music that you hear on the intro of the episode and you were here on the outro of the episode uh, is made possible by Russian Cowboy. You can listen to them on uh, Spotify. And they are a local band here from Indianapolis, like I mentioned on a few episodes ago as well. Um, Anyway, let's talk about the first game. This game, it was kindly sent to me uh, in a prototype version uh, as a review copy, you know, for their uh, Kickstarter campaign. And it's a small game, a small box game. I'm actually moving it here. Oh, it's been a long since I've been doing that, you know, moving the components around. It's a small box, and it's a card game. And, you know, sometimes when I get these prototypes, I'm excited, but, you know, not as, you know, I don't know. It's something about prototypes to me that sometimes it it, kind of like, you know, I I go in with with, uh, a lot of caution, I guess. Uh, usually because you know the the publishers are very nice and, and you know I really appreciate when they when they send prototypes, but sometimes the rule books are not completely done and it's very kind of like hard to 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 dive in and the art sometimes is not the final of course prototype, um, and you know it's just me I don't know it's weird I, I I prefer to you know give you my honest thought on 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 final uh, you know I guess uh, games or production right, but this one. It was kindly sent to me, and it was a card game, and the art looked very nice, and, and I just feel appealing to it. Um, and, you know, I gave it a try a couple of times, and a two-player, three-player, four-player count as well. And I have to say that it was very fun. And the game that I'm talking about, it's Battle Puffs. Battle Puffs is an upcoming Kickstarter at this date, which we are recording on March, uh, I'm sorry, April, April the 4th. Um, 
So probably when this episode is on air, it will be April, April the 5th, 2022. But anyway, nevertheless, this is an upcoming Kickstarter. Uh, once again, Battle Pops, and it's uh, recommended to 8 euro plus, 20 to 90 minutes. And so far in the prototype version, it's a 2 to 6 player game. Now, there's going to be possibly some changes on this, as, as I'm telling you, because they also sent me a nice letter uh, inside the game, you know, telling me about the possible clarifications some of them uh which is possibly this is possibly because this is prototype that it might be two to five players you know just to shorten the time on the game um which i still think that it's a fast game and that's something positive on the game i will tell you more about it um you know but what is battle pops well we are trying to um you know make sure that our pops (laughs) uh which these are uh these uh animal these i guess creatures Better say these very beautiful, nice creatures. Uh, we're trying that our pups are the, are gonna be the best on the battle. They're gonna be our champions, and we're gonna try to, you know, give them some powers and and some abilities in order to succeed on this game. So how the game plays is very simple. We have a deck of puff, uh, you know, creatures, and some of them they will have special abilities, right? So they're very very cute. We have uh, Chico, we have Great Bird, uh, Cheese Puff, we have. Surf uh, Fluffles, and I'm having the cards here. That's probably you hear a little background noise. Uh, what else? We have Innocence. We have Riley. Uh, very cool. Our Twitch. We have Puff Daddy. Oh, my God. I love this guy. Puff Daddy. We have Jade. We have Arika. Cocoa Puff. Why not? Rollo. Uh, Vlad. We have uh, Oweo Puff. We have just Puff, which uh, we have Cheeto. Cheeto Puff. Uh, we have Sharky. Puffle Puff. Waffles. Dog. A bunch of nice characters. Bubbles. Uh, powder puff. Anyway, so at the beginning of the game, we're going to shuffle these puff cards and we're going to give three to each player, right? Uh, if you have an ability at that point that you know that let you trigger something, well, you do it. Otherwise, you just have your three creatures in front of you. Then we have another deck, which is the battle deck. And from there, we're going to shuffle it and give each player seven cards. At that point, we're going to determine your first player. And it has a very cool mechanic because this game has two variants that I will tell you a little bit more about, you know, this, the variant that I like the less. But, you know, in that way, you, you have a better, you're better informed before you, uh, if you're right now currently seeing at the Kickstarter campaign. Um, anyway, each player is going to get seven cards. And then at that point, uh, you know, we're going to terminate first player. And uh, the, the puff or the creatures, they will have at the bottom of the cards a different amount of stars, right? And they're not victory points, which that was the first thing that I saw. You know, stars, well, victory points. Well, they're not particularly victory points. Uh, they help you to determine, uh, you know, who is the first player. So you're going to grab your highest star creatures. And let's say your creature is six stars. Well, you're going to compare it with the rest of the players. And if you have the, the most powerful creature with in that aspect, well... You're going to be the first player. And what you're going to do on your turn is you're going to be playing as many cards as you want from your hand. As many cards as you want, as long as they are power cards, right? So you're going to be triggering different things. Like, I don't know, like you're going to be triggering some spells that will allow you to draw more cards to your hand. Or some spells that will allow you to fortify your puffs in the way you can you can make them stronger in a way. Or you can attach them weapons. And you can do crazy stuff with them. Or you can steal cards from your opponent. Things like that. Um, you're going to play as many as you want from, 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 that, from those cards. And then, at one point, if you want, which... Certainly, probably you will want to do this. You're going to start to attack the other puffs, the other creatures from the other player. And the, and the battle is super duper simple. 
Uh, but in a way, it's very fun and it's something that I really like from the game. It's very straightforward. You're going to have attack cards, right? And you're going to have defense cards as well. So you're going to play an attack card. Let's say, let's go, we go against the, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just going to go against the Cheeto Puff, right? Over there that uh, Erica, my wife, has it on the table. So I'm going to play a card against uh, Cheeto. And uh, at that point, I'm going to play an attack card, just a basic attack card. Then at that point, uh, Erica is going to decide if she wants to defend that puff. So she's going to play a defense card. Um, then after that, I'm going to play another attack card. And then she's going to be playing a defense. And we're going to keep going so on and so forth until I am able, either as the attacker, to play more attack cards than her or if she plays more defense uh, cards than me. At that point, if I, de- if I was able to succeed, well, I defeat that creature, that puff, and it goes to the puff discard pile. And every card that we use for defense and attack, it goes to our discard pile as well, to a main one. Uh, if I decide to end my turn, I'm just going to draw up to seven cards, and that's it. Now, the, the nice gimmick about this game is that if Erika decided to defend, well, she don't get to draw up to seven cards until the end of her turn. So that's another thing that, that you know, you want to think about when you're playing this game is that, okay, do I want to defend or do I better sacrifice? You know, if it's early in the game, I better sacrifice this puff in the way. Who knows? Maybe I have a spell that can let me draw another one or I can fortify the, the two that I have in the way I don't waste my cards or things like that. Um, so you can attack, you can defend only once per turn though. So you cannot go crazy trying to kill all the puffs. Uh, once that's done, that's it. That's the end of your turn. You draw up to seven cards uh, and then it's the other player turn. Now, if there was a tie on the battle... Uh, you know, no one dies and we just discard cards, and that's it. So that could be another thing that if you have a bunch of defense cards, you can just be, you know, draining your opponent, and then, well, that's it. <laughs> you know, you took a lot of attack cards out of his hand or her hand. He's going to draw or, or her is going to draw uh, seven cards again, but who knows? Maybe chances are that um, that player is going to get a bunch of attackers are lower. Um, on the other hand, if you don't want to attack any character, you can discard two cards to draw two cards and your, uh, your turn end at that point. It's a very simple game, to be uh, completely honest with you. Um, and we're going to keep going back and forth until one player is able to be the last survivor. He's able to kill all the other pops. So you're playing a two-player game, which it was one of my favorite player counts, um, you know, Basically, it goes fast and it's almost like a magic, but in a very, very streamlined, simple way. Um, more, more like a Pokemon, the Pokemon, uh, you know, the, the card game, the living card game. Uh, it's more like that. Uh, and you're just going to be playing and trying to defeat, you know, the other pops. Now, uh, there's some cool abilities on your cards. You can fortify, like I said, your pops, which I really like that, you know, it will require... Uh, for the attacker to play basically two attack cards if they want to do some damage. There's some attack cards that are very powerful that, let's say, you have a puff named Gable. And if you have that special card that says if you attack with Gable, well, usually it will give you double bonus because you're you're basically putting the, the, the card that that uh, character wants. So that's pretty cool as well. And like I said, this game can play up to two to five players. Uh, still on prototype decisions if it's going to go two to six. That's the only thing. Other than that, this almost didn't feel like a prototype, to be honest. Like, uh, we were playing it and we didn't have any, you know, questions about the, the, the text on the cars, like what, what happens first or things like that. Nope. It was very simple. The art, it's super nice. It's super cute. Uh, and I really like this game. If I have to say uh, what will be my favorite player count for this one, it would probably be two players, to be honest. I think this game uh, works perfectly in a two-player once again very streamlined but i can definitely see uh this being a game you know for families 
uh, as well because I think it's a it, it it plays well for players as well. You know, it's it, it plays easy. You know, it's it's gonna be easy with kids. It's gonna be easy for non gamers. And the box is a very small box. At least here's the prototype. Uh, you know, you I'm sure it will be around the same dimensions. You can take it anywhere. Uh, and it's just two decks of cards, of course. I'm assuming on the Kickstarter campaign there's going to be some stretch goals and, you know, uh, nice uh, additional cards. Who knows, maybe there might be a neoprene mat, I hope, because I'm, I think this is a game that I'm backing. You know, things like that. So so stay tuned for that. Once again, it's Battle Puff. And if I had to say something about this game, uh, it will be this, right? It's one of the best family card games that I have played this year uh, with a very fun and unique art who wants Pokemon when you can have Battle Puffs? Uh, this is what I honestly think about the game. And, and once again, this is a game that I'm backing. I also can foresee being at a very accessible price. So once again, it's not a solo game per se, but it works very well, you know, with non-gamers. So this might be a good game for those of you amazing friends that you know that probably you are you know, the, the the wife and you like to play solo games and you like to play board games, probably your your husband or your significant other doesn't like to too much. So this this might be a great game because you might be able to, you know, get your significant other into the hobby just by, you know, showing them a fun, you know, cute, um, a smooth game that it's easy to understand. Um, so I cannot wait for the campaign. I cannot wait to see the stretch goals because once again, I love these Kickstarters where, you know, they're very accessible on price wise. They're like around, I don't know. I don't even have no clue how much it's going to be, but I'm just going to guess that it would be around somewhere maximum, like $50, like pledge deluxe or something like that. But anyway, these type of Kickstarters are cool because, you know, they're accessible. It's nothing crazy. Uh, it's fun. It's easy to to play, and it's definitely appealing to a, a bunch of people just because of the art that it's so uh, stinky cute. So, anyway, that was the first game of the night or or the day, depending on what time we're listening to this podcast. Battle Puffs Battle Pack, an action park card game for friends and family. It's gonna be soon on Kickstarter. Uh, you know, and and you should check it out. You should definitely check it out if you want to have some cool, uh, you know, uh, combat with your friends and almost feel like Pokemon, but, you know, with Puffs. Uh, because Battle Puffs is a fun and exciting action-packed game filled with lovable characters who have ferocious tempers with just enough twists to keep things interesting. Everyone is guaranteed to have fun and feel experience. Whether you are an amateur or a game enthusiast, anyone can learn to play in less... Than a minute, I will say in a few minutes. I hope, uh, you know, the, the publisher hopes that you enjoy playing Battle Pops once you get into the Kickstarter campaign. So that was the first game that I wanted to talk to you about. Once again, big disclosure, there, that game was sent to me, uh, you know, for review purposes or for preview purposes before the Kickstarter campaign. But of course, like always, I will give you my honest opinion on it. Now, let's talk about other games, right? Another game that I want to tell you, let's let's jump into the solo kind of games and then I will tell you more about the other non-solo games towards the towards the remaining of the episode, I guess. And I'm trying to open this big box here because the other game that I'm going to talk to you about, it's Champions of Hera. And Champions of Hera is designed by Leaf Pile Media. Uh, and it's published by Greenbrier Games, which honestly... I'm becoming a fan of Green Brewer Games. I'm really becoming a fan. They're the publishers as well of Folklore The Affliction, um, you know, which is another another uh, great game. So, 
Green Beer game, there's I know there's a bunch of Kickstarters coming up from them. Um I was I will give a big shout out to my friend Jess. Uh she is um one of the marketing people from over there and she's uh you know sending me some prototypes from Green Beer, from Green Beer games as well. This game I got it for review purposes during Gen Con, that's the disclosure, but I will tell you more about the game. I don't care about that. I will tell you my honest opinions anyway. Let's go into the BGG uh, you know, technical specifications, I guess. Uh, Champions of Horror, it has a 7.3 in BGG. Uh, it's a 1 to 4 player games. The community says that it's best 1 to 3, or it's even best at 3. Playtime is 30 to 120 minutes, <laughs> depending on the number of players. Complexity is 3 to 5 on the weight. Uh, language is very dependent, of course, uh, for uh, 14 year plus. Uh, it doesn't have a category on, on the game type, and I will tell you what I think. Um, you know, and it has some cool mechanics. Um, and what is what is Champions of Hara? Well, beneath the roots, way, way down through the layers of what was, past the golden stove, and even deeper than darkness, the sky opens back up. At the core of everything, in the belly of soul, you'll find Hara. Look to it when you are tired, scared, or hungry. Call out, and it will find you. Champions of Horror is an adventure board game in which we into four players race to protect the dying world. Players will contain destructive energy by defeating monsters, closing rifts, and exploring the six different zones within Hera. In order to rise to the challenge, players will need to unlock the new abilities and collect powerful items. Each session takes approximately 30 minutes per player. Uh, in versus mode, the players will compete against one another in an arena-style combat. The winner is offered a powerful blessing by Harris Stewart, a single wish to shape the future. However, wishes are not simple matter. In co-op mod, players will work together to overcome the fallout from the champion's wish, facing off against corrupted foes and solving a scenario-based challenges. Um... You know, so there, there, there we have it. Champions of Hara. Champions of Hara. It's a lot. <laughs> I will tell you right now, it's a lot, and there's some cool tutorials online. So I will let you, you know, go and check those out. But the game plays different if we play it uh, competitive or a solo. Solo is almost like a tiny campaign, you know, a scenario based that it's it's cool to play. Um, so, you know, how, how the game works basically is that we're going to have this land of, of Hera, right? And we're going to, we're going to be choosing, you know, our champions, right? Uh, they're pretty cool characters, you know, very unique characters. And we're going to be having, uh, this board that has the different regions of, of Hera. We have the Oakmore, the Oppenheim, you know, we have, um, Lunar Ridge, the Bayou, the Dread. And in the middle of the board, we have the Dojo, Okay. Uh, and, and this is like, we're going to have in our, in our player boards, uh, you know, a uh, track that is going to be tracking three different energies, blue, red, and green. We also going to have our deck of cards and our asymmetric characteristics for each character. That's a simple way to tell you what's going on. All right. What is going to be happening? Well, is that during the day phase per se, we're going to be doing a couple of actions. Of course, we're going to be moving around the, 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 the Hara. We're going to be trying to close rifts. We're going to be fighting some monsters. Uh, and all these actions, we're going to be resolving it with cards, all right? 
So you're going to be uh, put, basically putting down up to three cards. In that way, you can do different actions. When you encounter some uh, monsters, well, you're going to be able to fight them and get rewards. Usually, the rewards that you want is the increase on that energy track, all right? Because as you are increasing on those energy tracks, the blue, I'm sorry, the blue, red, and green, you will be able to upgrade the deck of cards that you have. And that's one deck of cards that you're only going to be using. It's not like you're going to, it doesn't have like a deck building mechanic in a way per se where you're going to be able to, okay, I can buy this card. No, no, no. Every character will have their own uh, limited deck of cards. And, you know, the cool thing is that it's just a lot going on <laughs> with within each character just by defining their abilities. Like some characters will be able to fight better. Some characters are going to be able to move better around the board. Some characters will have some cool mechanic, you know, by getting uh, scared and they can trigger different things and, and they can improve their abilities and things like that. Now, the cool mechanic of this game, like I told you before, is that you're going to be resolving actions. So how it's going to be working is you're going to be laying one card and let's say one card tells you on the, the cards are going to be divided on uh, bottom and, and top section, right? So you're going to play the one card that on the bottom it will say, on the top, I'm sorry, it will say like move three, you know, any direction that you want. So you resolve that action and then you're going to be flipping the card 90 degrees. And then you're going to be playing another one and another one. Then that way you do three. And you're going to be resolving those actions. Once again, trying to close portals, uh, you know, trying to get uh, defeating monsters, uh, trying to get energy. In that way, you can be able to improve on those tracks. Uh, once you do that, well, your turn will end, and then if it's if it's during the morning, during the day, I'm sorry, you're gonna resolve the dusk, which is an event card, okay? And you're gonna be resolving the event card, and it will tell you something that is going on, um, and you know things are. It, it's possible that more monsters are gonna spawn. You're gonna advance, of course, the tracker, and now you go into the night, okay? And remember those cards that you flip 90 degrees? Well, now they're going to be, the bottom part is going to be on top. So now the abilities or the actions that you're forced to do are the ones that were on the bottom of those cards, kind of like a Mage Knight mechanic, you know, like there's a lot going on in your board, like I said. So now you have to trigger those. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At The Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that owl has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative a construction off the <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely entirely check out the gaming blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now those abilities some abilities will cost you energy you know and you will have to to use your energy in order to basically to, um, you know, to be able to meet those requirements. Also, you have a health track, right? You have a health track and an energy track that you're going to be using for the energy wall to place certain actions. The health wall, that's your health, and, and you want to keep it high because otherwise it can really mess you up, um, you know, and you're going to be able to defeat monsters, like I mentioned, close uh, rifts or portals. By closing it, basically you're going to have some uh, mechanic of dice rolling, 
and the monsters, well, with the same cards that you play, you're going to have attack values, you can do some combos in order to have enough strength to kill those monsters, and the rewards of those monsters usually are going to be positive, and they're going to help you to increase those, those tracks of energy, right? The problem is that, let's say you're trying to close rifts, that they're going to be aligning with the color that you want to increase because rifts, they're going to be rifts in different colors, right? It's going to be rifts also on blue, red, and green, just like the trackers. So let's say I'm just going to put a simple scenario just to put it on our minds. Let's say like the dojo is the middle of the land, right, of Hara. And let's say that you want, you need to increase on the blue track, on the energy, because, you know, that's where you're leaving behind and, and you really want to close one of those rifts and that way your chances of getting uh, blue energy are higher, and let's say that you want to travel all the way up north of the board because that's where it is, okay? Let's say you go, you got it, and now you want to come back to the dojo for a reason that I will tell you in a little bit. Well, when you go at the end of the night, you're going to go into the dusk phase. And uh, at that point, well, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you something. The world shift phase is going to be calling. The world shift event. At that point, you're going to reveal that event. And what it's gonna be do? It, what's gonna be doing? I'm sorry, is that the board? It's set up with different tiles of uh, six spaces each tile, where you're gonna be moving around that particular area. Well, that shifting of world is gonna change the whole setup on the game. It's gonna be telling you, well, that tile where you were now is not anymore up north. So now you're not closer to the door. You're like you were thought that you were. Now. That tile is going to go all the way south, so the world shift. So the problem with that is also that you've played cards before that allow you to, uh, you know, move before, and now for this turn you don't have any movement. Well, guess what? You're going to be way far away <laughs> to try to get back to the dojo. Why you want to get back to the dojo? Well, because the goal of the game in a competitive way is that the first person that is able to reach the final space on their energy tracks, red, blue, and green, and is able to make it back to the dojo, is basically the winner of the game. When you play cooperative, it's a little bit different, or solo, it's a little bit different because you're going to be choosing some heroes or champions, uh, and you're going to be basically fighting um, the corrupted, play, the corrupted, uh, I guess, uh, creatures that they used to habitate Hara. They used to be champions, but now they're they're the corrupted. And they're gonna have their own board of what they can do. They're also gonna have a track of health that you have to basically defeat them. Um, they're gonna have some rewards that they can give you every time that you attack them. But you still need to increase those energy, you know, trackers. And every scenario will have different conditions. Usually the scenarios is like you're gonna play one one, uh, you know, versus arena, and then after that, it shifts to cooperative, where you're gonna be the player uh, who won. Uh, you know, the the game is gonna go to their story. So you have different champions like Kaura and Kuma, Leaf, Auric, uh, Persephone, Soft, and Thomas, which is like almost like a Thomas of Edison. And then let's say I win with Thomas. Well, we're gonna go to the scenario of Thomas, and we're gonna play it. And it's different instructions to play that scenario either solo or two players. Um, that's the only difference that you now you're playing those uh, ex-champions that now they're called Corrupted. I basically give you the whole overview of the game, like someone says in a nutshell, like in very, uh, you know, compressed uh, way. But um, 
it's a lot. It's a lot going on in this game. There's a lot to think, a lot to do, a lot to strategy, and unfortunately, due to the events, there's a lot of chaos. Chaos on this game. It's a heavy game. Definitely, there's this is nothing like Battle Pops where you know you can bring people into the hobby. This is more for experienced gamers. Uh, what do I think about the game? Well, first of all, I really like the theme. I really like the theme of Champions and Hara. You know, I think it's a cool theme. They did a good, um, you know, lore around the game. Uh, it, the, the scenarios, uh, the, the narrative of what's going on is pretty cool. Uh, and it's thematic. The, the themes, even if it's an independent own creation, the theme really feels there. You can tell that, you know, uh, they they did put a lot of love on the um, theme-wise of the game. Um, I think uh, it's it has a, his, uh, a learning curve. I do think that, that it could be a mix. On, the, on that aspect, it couldn't be either good or bad. It's just it has a, a learning curve. So uh, take that in consideration. I think time-wise, um, it's usually not 30 minutes per player just because there's a lot going on, especially with your own actions, right? Like I said, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, that it will create, um, that there's a lot, of, a lot of chance of having a lot of AP here, analysis paralysis. So, um, I don't think, turn. I mean, ideally, yes, 30 minutes per player. If you're one of those players like me that, okay, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's keep moving. Well, yes, it will be or 30 minutes per player for the whole game. But I think it's a little bit more than that. If you really want to achieve your goals, if you really want to win the game, especially in the competitive mode, it might take probably 45 minutes per player. So take that in consideration. Usually a three-player game of Champions of Hara, it will be around... Oof, I will say around two hours or probably a little bit more. Uh, it has a learning curve. Now, I really like that the characters are very asymmetric, so everyone is doing their own thing. There are some characters that are definitely slower on the board, so they're better at attacking, but they're slower. And that could be a, a big problem where, uh, you know, we have those uh, world shift events. And at some point, that might feel unbalanced just because, for example, there's a character that I, went, that I was playing with that is, it almost looked like a ninja. And... Um, he he was great at making damage, but the problem is that he was so slow. There was only one or two cards that allowed me to move. So, you know, by the time that I was able to play again those cards and then turn them, then the next turn he, they were not able to move. So it was just, you know, um, it was it feel it feel unbalanced for that particular character. All the other characters that I have played with, they feel okay. It's just that main character. It feel a little bit unbalanced. Uh, I like that char- that that character cool align with different animal spirits in a way so uh you know you were able to trigger different things in different turns so that was cool but in in the speed wise it was a little bit unbalanced because that world shift event where you know suddenly the dojo was very very far away from me even if i had all the energy to win the game so so that's that right uh what else the art is fantastic. I really like the art. The components are great. The miniatures are great quality. I paint them. I really enjoy uh, painting those. And, and, and you know, this is a game that, uh, as I'm telling you, that I paint the minis. Well, it's probably because I'm going to keep it. And it's it's a game that I will keep it just because everyone that I have played with, they have been liking it uh, just because it, it's a game that, you know, it will require you attention to it. It has that learning curve. Uh, but it, at the same time, it has a lot of satisfaction where, when you're able to to finally get the gimmick of the game and do your combos and and try to try to achieve your goals, um, what do I think about that mechanic of the world shifting? 
I think it's cool, uh, but I definitely can see some people not liking it. Just because it can be very, very chaotic, like literally very chaotic, and and you have to be careful when you're moving those boards, because at at that point where you're shifting those boards, well, probably you have a couple of monsters there and a couple of minis there, so you really want to you know <laughs> do it carefully, um, in that way you don't you don't throw everything away. Uh, so that's that. I, I liked it in particularly, but I can definitely see some people not liking it. Um. What else? What else we can talk about the game? Um, the theme it has something you know that that I really like, and so far I haven't tried a good. Well, there are not too many, but I haven't tried a good uh, Dragon Ball Z game, which is one of my favorite franchises. Dragon Ball Z. Um, this feels like Dragon Ball Z, to be honest. Like if we could change the the energy trackers for you know Dragon Balls, I mean. It will work perfectly where you're going to different areas on, on you know, on the world and trying to get the different Dragon Balls and then come back to Masters Roshi, you know, or the Kami House. Well, this will be the dojo. And in that way, you can uh, call for Shenlong. Well, that this this will be also um, the theme, you know. And um, once again, I hope and, and, and I'm sorry, I, I was going through the previous episodes and I didn't uh, I, did, I couldn't see any um, description on the game. I think I talk about this game in Spanish, uh, but and I'm sure I talk it to, towards the end of the year. But this is definitely uh, a game that I think I mentioned this, and this comes to mind now that if it's a Dragon Ball Z team, this will be it. In general, um, do I like the game better solo or, or competitive? I think I slightly liked it more solo just because the length of the game. Um, I, I do like it. It works perfectly. It works smoothly solo. And, and, you know, the AP, you just worry yourself about the AP, and that's it. Sort of like the same with Mage Knight. Sometimes games with a strong AP uh, can be a little bit of a hustle when you're playing in a multiplayer. So so there's that. Other than that, competitive works fine. Just expect long sessions. So that was Champions of Hara. If I have to give it a rating, a rating from 0 to 5, where 0 it will be the worst game ever, and 5 will be the holy grail of games, like Nemesis to me, uh, Champions of Hara for me probably lands in a solid 4. It's a game that I recommend if you're a solo gamer, if you like heavy games, if you like those some sort of Mage Knight uh, mechanic gimmick games, well then, this is something that definitely you should check it out. Once again, this was Champions of Hara, publisher... Oh, the bo- I'm trying to close the box here while I'm talking to you. Uh, Champions of Hara from Grand uh, Rear Games. So check it out if you are able. Now, the next game that we're going to talk about, um, it's I'm going to give you the spoiler alert, it's becoming one of the, my biggest surprises of the year so far. Uh, it's a game that you are not able to play solo, uh, but it's very, very fun. And you will see towards the end that uh, why um, I recommend it to you. Uh, you know, just because it's a game like like I mentioned, it's been it's been hitting, it has been giving a good um, perception so far, and 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 me, um, you know, and 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 we're playing with my wife Erica and with my friends. This is a game that I played it uh, with my friend Jonathan again. Uh, you know, we were playing it at his house, and after I did a couple of turns, I was like, I want to play it again. I want to play it again. I want to play it again. Next day, I go to my gaming store and I just get it because that was it. So the game that I'm that I'm talking about it's Seven Wonders Architect. Now, 
Seven Wonders, you know, by uh, uh, Repo's uh, production. Of course, there's been the classic Seven Wonders, which is a beast at this point, with so many expansions and so many promos and so many add-ons and stuff. Then, he came the acclaim as Seven Wonders Duel, which is a great two-player game. Then, after that, he came a new version of Seven Wonders, all right? Uh, but to me, Seven Wonders always felt like, I don't know, this is me, like, it was too much for what it was, kind of, in a way. Like, you know, there's too much, like, with these, that, you know, all these combos and whatever, for what it was. So I always wished there was a more streamlined, you know, way of playing the game. Um, so when I tried Seven Wonders Architects, I found that. I really found a streamlined way to play the game, uh, and it's and it's just you know great. So let me let me tell you what BGG says on this game. Seven Wonder Architects has a seven point one, which I'm surprised of how how low it is. Um, two to seven players. Uh, the community said it's best with four. Uh, Twenty five minutes playing time. Uh, weight complexity one point four out of five. Uh, recommended for eight year plus. Language dependencies uh, and you know, it has already some awards, um, you know, in France uh, with the game. Uh, well, what are we trying to do in Seven Wonders? Well, Seven Wonders Architects is a two to seven player uh, game, like I mentioned, that where we're trying to become the leader of an ancient world by completing an architectural wonder that will last through the ages. Uh, you know, uh, players will receive an unconstructed wonder at the beginning of the game and must collect resources to build their society develop military might to navigate conflicts, oversee resources management, uh, research science improvements, and collect civil victory points as their ways to leave their mark on world history. So, of course, you're going to have the seven wonders, uh, you know, structures that you're trying to build. At the beginning of the game, we're going to give one wonder to each player, all right? And each wonder will, will come with cardboard, uh, you know, with, with a structure in cardboard, and you're going to be placing it face down. And each uh, structure will be in different sections. And there's going to be different requirements to build those sections. So, for example, the base uh, section of every wonder will require you three different resources that you have to exchange in order to build that uh base of the structure and once you do it well you flip that base face up and now it's going to be awarding you some victory points towards the end of the game then if you wonder has some sort of columns or like second level well that level might require you to have two uh, uh you know similar uh resources and at that point you're gonna once you have the resources or those requirements you're gonna change them in build that structure and now more than likely will give you more victory points but also a particular ability that your structure uh, gives you. Each structure will have different abilities that you will trigger once you build those sections of the of the wonder. Now, how the game plays? Pretty simple, and this is what I like about this game. Every player is going to have a wonder. It's going to have a deck of cards that you're going to shuffle. Then you're going to uh, flip the uh, top card face up, and that's it. That's all you have to do. On the middle of the table, it's going to be a wonderful cat, you know, because, of course... Uh, if we go to the Egyptian mythology, we're going to be encountering cats. So there's a cat over there in the center. Um, so if you like cats, well, this is a cat game, I guess, in a way. Uh, so you're going to have the cat in the middle. You're going to have all the different uh, science tokens that they will give you benefits once you get them or 
once you get them and you play certain cards, you're gonna get benefits. Or once you get them and get some sort of like strength on on your on your army, well, you can get benefits or things like that or victory points at the end of the game. So you're gonna get those science tokens, and also depending on the number of players, you will have some conflict tokens that they will be on the peace side because right now everything is peaceful and we don't want to fight with each other so far. Uh, of course, every player, like I mentioned, is going to have a deck of cards with the top card face up. But there's also going to be a deck on a deck on the middle that is going to have resources, wild cards, science, victory points, and those um, very important and powerful cat cards, which they will provide you with two victory points and with the cat. And I will tell you how you're going to use the cat. So, on your turn, uh, you can pick up a card either from your deck or from the player on your left or on your right. Just like very similar to the normal Seven Wonders. Uh, so the cards are going to be resources, different type of resources, going to be different types of science, uh, victory points, and wilds. So once you choose your card, that's it. Then is the next player. You flip the card face up, and then player to your left can choose your uh, from your deck, uh, their deck, or the player on the right. Now, another thing that you can do is from the deck on the middle, you can draw blindly the top card, and just get it, right? Could be something that good or something that you don't need right now. Uh, what are the things that you can do? Once again, like I mentioned on the Wonders, you can exchange either similar resources or, or different resources depending on the, on the, on the uh, part that you're building on the structure in order to comply with the requirements and build that, that part of that column or that level. Now, the other thing is that if you have two similar science cards, you can trade them in for a science token which will give you more abilities like I mentioned before. Or if you get three different science cards, you can trade them in for a science token as well. The other cards besides research and science are the victory points. They're going to be very straightforward. Some cards will give you three victory points, two victory points, five victory points. And they will come towards the end of the game. There's a very, very powerful cards, a few cards around the table actually. Now, they're going to be two points, and they're going to have the cat, that cat that I already mentioned multiple times. If you get the cat, well, you're going to grab that uh, cardboard, a stand, the cat, or if you got the promo, well, there's a miniature of a cat. Uh, or you can put like me, like I use the cat from Nemesis and just throw it there, and that way it's like a bluff. Uh, or you can use your real cat, whatever you want to do. Um, but that cat will allow you every turn to take a peek on the on the deck of cards that is in the middle of the table, take a peek of the top card, decide if you want to keep it or return it. So that's very powerful. Besides that, that cat, if it stays to you until the end of the game or by the end of the game, it will give you two victory points. And that's it. We're going to be doing that multiple times. It's going to be easy, very easy, faster. Uh, and as soon as one player finishing uh, finish building their uh, wonder, the game ends immediately. There's nothing like, okay, one more round and whatever. No, game ends immediately. Now, the other thing that happens in Seven Wonders uh, is the conflict. Here is very similar to, to the normal Seven Wonders where you're going to be getting some cards with uh, some uh, strength or, or, or armor symbol. And once the combat is triggered, well, if you are the one that has the most uh, you know, strength, uh, versus the player on your left and your right, well, you're going to get a three-victory point token for each uh, character that you defeated. Um, the important is that now we have a conflict tokens in the middle, and that's how we're going to trigger the battle. So every time that you play a weapon card that has a horn symbol, 
you're gonna flip one of those peaceful tokens. If your card has two horn symbol, well, horn symbols, I'm sorry, well, you're gonna flip two. And once all of those tokens are flipped, battle starts immediately. If you play cards that has that horn symbol, well, you discard them. If your strength card doesn't have that symbol, well, you can keep them for the rest of the game. So that's a very nice, easy way of combat and getting more victory points. The difference between this game, I think, one of the main difference, and Seven Wonders, the normal tradition of Seven Wonders, besides being more streamlined, is that the normal Seven Wonders, there's no way that you can play it two players. It just doesn't work. For that, you need Seven Wonders Duel. This one, it's a great, great, great two-player game. So we're going to go into a review right now at this point, I guess. My favorite thing about this game, one of my favorite things, is that it plays wonderful two-player games. I tried a couple of times, and I, I didn't feel like in any disadvantage, boring, you know, nothing. It was just on it, on it, on it, like normal multiplayer game, and it was fun. Of course, with two-player game, uh, you know, I have access to the other player's deck, my deck, and the center. Um, the difference is, the only difference they do in that way you can balance the game in a little bit, is that when there is the combat, if I double the amount of strength than my opponent, I get double bonus. That's it. Other than that, it plays exactly the same, and it works beautifully. That's why it's one of my favorite points on the positive notes on the game. Um, you know, the other thing that I really like, and it's a very positive thing, it's how fast a session of uh, Seven Wonder Architects that I tried five players. I haven't tried seven. It was very fast. Uh, 25 minutes, we were done, and everybody was happy, and we wanted to play it again. I don't see how playing a seven-player game will be longer than 35, 40 minutes the most. I don't think so. So, um, you know, that's another positive. Uh, Antoine Balsa, of course, it's always a guarantee of good games. And, and in this this case, it wasn't the exception. Um, I definitely can see a lot of people jumping in on Seven Wonders Architects that they were in defense like me of not owning any any Seven Wonders just because... They, they share my thoughts on the game. Don't get me wrong. It's a great game. It's a classic. It's just, for me, it never made the cut. So this one on the, on the other side, this one is a game that I want to keep in my collection. Um, you know, one downside, in a way, it's not a downside. It's more like a mix. It's I wish, and this is me being, you know, Derek. Uh, <laughs> I wish it could be a solo mode for this game. Just, just to give it a try, you know, just for fun to see. You know, something like beat your own score or something like that, which is weird to me that to go that route. But, uh, you know, it's just because it, it's it's a fun game. I don't see any other flaws in the game. It's definitely a game that uh, I guess another thing could be that uh, if a player is left behind, it's going to be hard to catch up. I mean, if, if someone it's already at the third level of the Wonder and you're still the first level of the Wonder, well, at that point you probably want to get victory point cards like crazy because it's going to be hard for you to catch up you know, with that uh, particular person. That might be a one thing that, you know, if I can mention something negative about the game, the art is very Seven Wonders. I mean, nothing crazy. The quality of the cards is good. Another very positive thing that I hope more games keep doing this is the inserts. Literally, every wonder comes in their own case, and in the case, there's almost like a 3D printed case that holds the deck of cards. I leave my cards, and they fit perfectly. Um, so basically, for the setup, it's going to be like two minutes. You give each player a wonder, and they open their case. There's their cards. There's the, the cardboard to build the wonder, and that's it. And on top of the case, 
uh, you know, when you buy the game, you put some stickers that basically tell you the name of the wonder and the ability that they get once they trigger that ability by building, you know, certain level or certain uh, structure on the on the wonder. And and that's it. I mean, I really like that. I really like everything fits perfectly on the on the on the box. Uh, you know, nice and tidy. Uh, you know, I sleep my cards and everything. It it just works awesome. So uh, I was very happy and surprised with Seven Wonder Architects. Um, I'm surprised that in VGG 7.1, I can definitely see some hardcore fans of Seven Wonders. You know, the base game, especially those that own everything like expansion, metal coins, inserts, everything. Being like, well, I mean, it's okay, but I like my Seven Wonders better and this and that. I get it. And, you know, it might be some bias that... You know, sometimes I'm, I'm guilty as well in some games where you invest a lot in games and expansions and mats and everything. You feel like even if they do a second edition, you still have like a strong core connection to that game. So I can see some people being that way. But I mean, but if we if we see it in a very neutral way, I think this is a um, you know great version of Seven Wonders. Matter of fact, I played this with a couple of friends as well that they're hardcore Seven Wonders fan, and you know. They they told us, you know, they both agree that, you know, that, yeah, this is a streamlined version. This is a nice version. It's definitely going to be easier to get it to the table versus the, uh, you know, normal Seven Wonders. So they even, you know, realize that. So anyway, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. You know, this is like, once again, I recommend it even as a two-player game. It's, it's a great game. It has my recommendation. If I need to rate the game from zero to five, there's no doubt for me that Seven Wonders Architects is a 4.5 for me. It's just a game that I bring to the table. It's easy to bring to the table, and we finish a game, and I want to play it again, and we finish a game, and I want to play it again. And, 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 you know, a lot of games, they do that, but just either they require a bunch of setup or, or they're going to be long games, and, and, you know, you're going to be immersed, which there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes I'm in the mood, you know, just to play something quick with my wife or with my friends, you know, like something quick that we can have fun, you know, relax a little bit. Yes, put some strategy on it, but nothing crazy. And, you know, something that I can set up in two minutes and, and pick it up really quick as well and have it organized for the next time. So Seven Wonders Architect, uh, you know, it's once again highly recommended for me. So that was my uh, take on that. And uh, let me take let me catch a breath here. Um. We're going to jump into the last game of tonight, or this evening, or this morning. This is a game that it was given to me, again, last Gen Con, um, from our good friends from Mondo Games, which is a publisher that I really like. I feel like Mondo Games, or Mondo in general, it's a company that really takes care of their productions. They are also known by uh, vinyls, you know, by music, basically. They sell vinyl records. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of vinyl records. That's another hobby that I have. I, I like to, to listen to my music on, on records. Um, you know, some of the artists that I, that I follow, either in Spanish and English, they still release their albums and records. And, and call me an old school. I'm not, don't call me a hipster, please, but more like an old school. I, re, I really like listening to records. It, it's something about... You know, putting the record on 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 the turntable. Of course, if you have a a nice uh, setup, uh, you know, and 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 make sure that you're listening to the album the way that it's supposed to be. You know, in the order that it's supposed to be. I'm a huge fan of listening in albums that way instead of just going to the hits. Just let me listen to the the, the huge album. Let me see if I can get 
um, the create the creative message that the artists want to send with the lyrics, with the change of tune and pace on the, the music. Anyway, I'm taking away from 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 Borgans, but anyway, I wanted to mention because Mondo uh, is one of those companies that they uh, release awesome alternate arts or unique art uh, vinyl records, uh, you know, pr uh, pr uh, products for for all of us. They also release games. And actually, they have a game that I really like that is called Video Vortex, which is a deck building, kind of like in the post-apocalyptic future, where we go into a blockbuster type of uh, rental, video rental place, and we start to see how was, uh, you know, how was everything before the uh, apocalypse, basically. And we start to have a battle there with, battle there with each other and trying to deck build some fantastic combos. That's one game. But then they gave me this game that... You know, it has a beautiful, beautiful art that will be something positive on the game. That is called The Fate of Phantos, The Iridium Wars. And this game has a lot of lore and story and folklore on it. Uh, it's a game that it plays three to six players, uh, age 14 euro plus, time 60 to 120 minutes. Huh? Game designer Darth uh, Rimmer, Travis Watkins. The story is by both of them as well. And the art, which I'm a huge fan, is from Michael Laricia. And, um, you know, is published by Mondo Games in uh, conjunction with uh, Imp House Company. And basically, well, before I tell you what are we going to be doing in the game, let me uh, tell you the technical specifications like we did before, uh, you know, from BGG uh, and see, see what we can find there. So when we go to the Fate of Phantos, it was a game that it was published in 2021. Uh, you know, uh, it's a game once again, three to six players, sixty minutes, huh? uh, fourteen year plus uh, language dependence. Um, you know, and it has a rating of four point two out of ten. Uh, you know, for the fate of Phantos, the Iridium Wars. Throughout the eons, hordes of aliens and beasts from across the galaxy have descended upon the planet of Phantos in search of Iridium the life force of all existence. As the hordes multiplied, conflict became the commonplace, splintering the population into rival citadels. Eventually, war, greed, and the depletion of resources pushed Phantas to the brink of destruction and in response to the planet's cry for help. Sodras, the cosmic war, then intervened, sentencing the planet uh, to a great call to be survived by only a single worthy citadel. Fate of Fantasy the Iridium Wars is a tableau-building card game with a competitive and cooperative element for three to six players, each assuming the role of a unique citadel of Fantas. Each are responsible for hiring accolades to manage their affairs with the ultimate goal of obtaining most Iridium and therefore the most favorable position when Sodras finally arrives. Citadels must manage their Iridium harvesting strategically, however, as it further contributes to the pollution of Phantos, revealing new trials along the way. Sodras also unleash plagues, summon cosmic creatures, and forces descent between the Citadel as the game progresses. Citadels must choose whether to resolve them together as a planet, or watch as survival Citadels struggle to survive. So that's the fate of phantoms, the Iridium uh, Wars. Um, what are we going to be doing? Well, what are not going to be doing? So at the beginning of the game, and I'm going to try to make it simple. At the beginning of the game, you are going to be, uh, you know, trying to build that those citadels in a way. So we're going to start with Iridium, which is our resources. 
And there's going to be a huge portion of the game, at least with three players, which is the minimum player count, where you're going to be spending Iridium to get cards. Basically, to, to build your your tableau, right? To have more possibilities. And you're going to be spending Iridium, spending Iridium, spending Iridium. And at that point, well, that would be almost like feel like their own game. Once we all the players finish building in our tableaus, well, we're ready to start. And in each player uh, turn, well, we're going to be doing different things. Once again, I'm just going to give you an overview because it's one of those games as well that has a learning curve in a way. That is not that it's a hard game, but it has a learning curve. Uh, and, and, and I feel like for, for audio, it wouldn't work giving you kind of like a tutorial. So, yeah, I'm going to tell you how it works, basically. Uh, you're going to have different actions and different, you know, checkpoints that you're going to be doing during your turn. And you can have one of the uh, citadels from the game. You can be, uh, you know, Prima Tempesta, which is the cold. Uh, Royalos, which is the overseas. Uh, Kuharibu, which is the marked. Uh, Lumiria, the enlightened. Uh, Diginar, the feral. Or Vordrel, the hollow. Anyway, when is your turn? You know, that after you, of course, build your tableau. Well, you're going to be, um, you know, basically trying to untask any previous card that you had. And, you know, and draw up, which basically kind of like a magic, the gathering, you're, you're drawing cards. And then you're going to do, uh, you know, you're going to choose one of the cards that you have already placed, sort of like a magic. Uh, you know, you're going to do your fantasy action. So there's three different actions that you can do, which mo one of them, most of them will be attack or kind of like reinforce your citadel or get more iridium, you know, get get more resources to do more stuff in the future. You know, then if there's if there's applicable or if it's going on right now, you can do the trials which, once again, uh, those are going to be events that, you know, the we're going to call it the elders are going to be uh, laying down on Phantos in that way only one Citadel can survive. You can do, after that, another action. Uh, you can hire more more cards trying to do, you know, improve your, your tableau, and then you can discard your cards. Um, you know, you're going to be doing that. So on your turn, you're going to be following these three uh, six steps. Uh, and once you're done with that, you know, attacking, defending, you know, kind of like measuring the gathering, like moving the cards 90 degrees, refreshing, and so on and so forth. Once you're done with all your checkpoints, uh, that is going to sometimes cause uh, reactions to other players' interactions where you're going to be resolving. Then after that is the other player turn, and they're going to be resolving um, the same uh, things in, in, in a similar fashion. Right now. So now they're going to attack you, so on and so forth. At the end, of course, uh, the goal of the game is pretty simple. You want to be the one with most iridium, in that way, you can be basically the the, the strongest citadel in, in Phantos, right? And you wanna, you're going to be the only survivor in Phantos. Um, and that will be it. That will be it. It's just that the the first part of the game is its own game in a way. And then the second part, it's another game in a way. Uh, so that's the fate of Phantos. Uh, what do I think about the fate of Phantos, the Iridium Wars? This is a game that... The production is awesome to begin with. The production is awesome. The the art is pretty cool. It's pretty 80s D&D, &D, you know, uh, Cthulhu, colorful way. It's cool. Almost like a mix with, uh, you know, He-Man as well. So it has a mix of, you know, all D&D, &D, He-Man, uh, Cthulhu, 80s. It's cool. It's cool. Um, the production is cool. The art on the box is cool. Um, the cards, the, the art is awesome. The big uh, tableaus that you get with the different citadels, the art is pretty cool. The iridium, which is like, you know, acrylic tokens uh, in a way, or acrylic stones, 
Um, you know, they're pretty cool as well, pretty awesome, pretty nice. The board is pretty nice, you know, for where you're going to be setting up all the cards. Uh, the events or, or the trials that you're going to be resolving, they're also cool. Now, that's how the game ends. Like, once at, at the end, it's going to be a final trial where that's another thing. Like, you cannot speed up the game. You just, you just have to, to follow and, and let the game go, uh, you know, by revealing a trial, playing a whole round, you know, after we get we build our tableau, bring a whole round and then one event and then a whole round and one event. But each round is going to have, once again, like I mentioned, like about six turns, six things that you're going to be doing, plus the action reaction between players. Um, so... Uh, there's that, right? So the production is nice, components are nice, the cards are nice, the art is nice. Um, I think it, it, it's a very long game, and that's something that I particularly didn't enjoy. Um, I wish this game could be more like, in a in a way, like a send, or like, I'm sorry, like Ascension, uh, you know, tactic kind of game, like, you know, like, okay, like I change resources, I'm dig my, I, I do my deck building, yes, I attack you, and that's it. Uh, versus that whole okay, let me at the beginning of the game spend my Iridium, build my Tableau or my deck, then now let's play the game, different game, let me play the cards in that way, you know, I can activate them, switch them, like Magic the Gathering, so on and so forth, going back and forth. Um, so it has a lot. It, it almost feels like if, if you are a fan of Magic the Gathering, you might enjoy it just because it will give you that feeling of like action, reaction, action, reaction, flipping the card, you know, building the card at the beginning of the game, you know, appreciating the art, you know, reading the abilities, so on and so forth, trying to balance your tableau with different abilities that you can do during the game and the three different type of actions that you can do during the game as, you know, gathering iridium, attacking the other players, um, it, it getting your seed a little stronger. So that's one way that I can definitely see some people, some people are appreciating it more than other. Uh, you know, I, I never was a huge Magic the Gathering player. I actually started playing Magic until recently. And I like Magic the Gathering just because, you know, each each game will be 20 minutes top. This game, it could be three hours. And, and it, one of the problems is that, you know, of course, the, the it's dependable on the player counts. If you play a three-player game, it will probably be, I don't know, like an hour and 32 hours. But... If you go to the highest player count, uh, to six, oof, I can definitely see three hours, kind of, um, you know. And it's just because another thing is that that I don't like too much is that you cannot, in a way, try to make the game go faster, just because you have to wait for those trials to resolve after one after the other one, one after the other one, one after the other one. I also think that this game. Probably with tweaking the rules a little bit would have worked great for two player. Like if they could do something to change it to two players, because then probably if you were in the two player mark, this game would be an hour, an hour and thirty minutes, and then probably would it be at least for me more enjoyable. Uh, like I said, even if it is a, this is a game that I really wanted to like, I really wanted to like just because of the production, uh, you know, the, the lore on the game, the the theme on the game. Um, I really wanted to like it, but unfortunately, it wasn't like that. Uh, you know, there's there's also some cards that they're, you know, kind of hard to interpret it, especially when they react within other ones. So that's that as well. The rule book, I wish they could do a good job with the a better. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna say a good job, a better job with the rule book. I was constantly trying to look for answers online, and also the bad part is that. 
there weren't too many answers online, you know, in different situations. So, so that's another, another thing. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a, a very nice, uh, tutorial from, uh, captains, uh, the board game captains. We should check it out if you're interested in the game. Once again, I really, I really appreciate the art and the art is very cool. You know, I mean, you appreciate the abilities on it. Like each card will have like a cost of an iridium, of course. And then, you know, things like you can attach this card to one accolade and when it gets one strength or things like that. Uh, cards that will allow you to to attack a little bit better or to draw more cards or, or gain more cards and things like that. But it's just fell like two games in one just on that uh, top low building part of the game. And then like, okay, now it's to do our actions and stuff. I'm sad for this one because I really wanted to like it. I really, really wanted to like it. And I wish my, my review would be different. And like I said, this was a game that it was given to me on, on Gen Con. And, you know, I mean, even if there's that, I mean, I, I don't have any bias stores. It's just, you know, I mean, this is probably would it be a game that I would buy blindly just because of how the cool the art looks. But fortunately, it didn't make the cut for me. Um, if I have to rate the game from zero to five, where zero being the worst and five being uh, the best, I probably will give this game uh, two, uh, just because once again, um, it's too long for what it is. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't feel like you know I was engaged, other than visualizing the art and 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 the lore and things like that. I wish it could be a two-player variant. I'm sure that would have probably, hopefully, increase. Uh, my my um, my thoughts on the game and, and you know the time wise on the game but um, it wasn't so anyway that was the fate of Phantom so we talk about four games tonight just to recap Battle Puffs uh, Battle Pack uh, coming up on Kickstarter soon Seven Wonders Architect uh, Grand Brewer Games bring us our brothers Champions of Horror and lastly, The Fate of Phantos, The Iridium Wars by Mondo Games. Remember that you can follow me on uh, our social media at Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, remember that you can shoot me an email as well if you like, uh, solobgpodcast at gmail.com. Please, 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 wherever you listen to this podcast, uh, you know, uh, rate the podcast if you're able. Give us a five-star review over there. If you're able to subscribe wherever you're listening to, please subscribe. If you're able to leave a comment wherever platform you're using, please leave a comment as well. Uh, that really helps us to reach out to more people because of the algorithm of the algorithm. I'm sorry of, of Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Music, iTunes. So please help us with that if you want to support this show. There's a lot of good stuff coming up. I'm gonna try to be more consistent with episodes. I know this this year's been it's been tough, you know, with work and uh, you know it's been like almost one episode every three weeks or so, or almost a month. Uh, but I'm going to try to be more consistent in probably like in a weekly or, or by weekly basis at least because there's a lot of games that I want to tell you about, a lot of games that I've been playing. So uh, if you want to stay uh, up to that or in tune with that, once again, in our social media, I'm always posting uh, our our my gaming experiences over there. Um, so anyway, that was all for episode 108. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you stay safe. I hope you play a lot. And like always... See you through the speaker and at the tabletop. Until next time, this is Derek. Drink tequila, spin summer at a Mexican bar. Stephen Austin, Davy Crockett, and I'm driving my car. Maybe life is soon.
Go. 